Climbing to the cockpit with pilot and Link Square's Chief Legal Officer, Tim Perilla, as he invites legal leaders aboard to share advice that will help you navigate even the most turbulent times of in-house counsel work. We'll cover a range of topics from data privacy to legal team structure to public company transactions and beyond. You don't want to miss this series. Fasten your seatbelt and prepare for takeoff. You're listening to Cockpit Council. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Cockpit Council. Today with me, I have Danielle Maglente, who's the Director of Compliance at Plum Voice. Danielle, welcome. Thank you for having me. So uh, tell us a little bit about your background and, uh, and a little bit about your role. Sure. So I moved to Boston for law school about 10 years ago. Um, the reason I decided to go to law school is because my parents basically forced me to go. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I liked it when I was there. Yeah. But yeah, it was funny. When I was about nine, I remember my dad saying, oh, you should probably go to law school because you're good at debating with me at home. <laughs> and That's awesome. Yeah. And you're a pretty good student, so it might be a good path to go down. And now in looking back, I feel like it didn't really make sense for him to push me down that path for those reasons, because I don't think I'd ever want to be a litigator. I think okay. that sounds terrifying. Yeah. And um, there are no lawyers in my family. So okay. what my parents knew about the legal profession was just kind of based on what they saw on TV or in movies. Right. Um, but I just did what they said and I decided to go down that path. And um, when I got to law school, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I had this vague idea that maybe I wanted to work in intellectual property or do entertainment law because I am a creative myself and I wanted to work in that space. Mm -hmm. But then that ended up not happening. Right. I uh, ended up working in compliance and healthcare at first. And okay. now I'm in tech doing compliance. Where uh, where did you move from? New Jersey. New Jersey. OK, yeah. cool. And what kind of creative uh, creative side to you do you have? I like to sing. OK. Yeah, I've been singing since I was four. That's awesome. What kind of stuff? I like to do R&B, like Etta James, Gladys Knight stuff. Oh, that's awesome. That's yeah. very, very cool. Thanks. But yet here you are in compliance world. Yeah. So uh, so walk walk me through that journey a little bit and how, uh, how you found yourself uh, ultimately now at Plum. So I was doing compliance at a healthcare company before Plum. Um, what got me to compliance in the first place is I did a compliance internship okay. in my second year of law school, and I actually really liked it. I didn't know anything about the compliance world before I did so, but since I liked it so much, I kept it in the back of my mind as a possible career choice. And then the real catalyst for pushing me towards compliance after law school was I didn't pass the bar exam the first okay. time I took it. And so I decided to do compliance because I liked the work and then also keep the possibility of doing something more traditional in mind. Yep. So I worked towards um, continuing to study for the bar and eventually I passed the bar, but I still really enjoyed compliance. Yeah. So now I don't know if I would ever leave <laughs> this right. world. So what, what did you find that you really liked about compliance? What, what took hold of you there and made you say, this is what I want to do from a career standpoint? Well, I like that in different environments, you're exposed to a world that is not legal. I liked that when I worked at a healthcare company, I was really exposed to the healthcare space in a way that I wasn't exposed to even taking a health law class. Um, and I like that in tech, it's completely different from anything I ever studied. I have no tech background at all. Yeah. And so 
being able to work with people that see things through a different lens is really interesting. Yeah. And I really feel like I learn something new every day because I don't understand half of the things that right. the engineers are doing. Yeah, absolutely. I've, I've found that that's, that's been the most re rewarding part of working in tech startups. My, basically my entire career has been in tech startups. So mm -hmm. I was fortunate enough to never have to work at a law firm. Um, but you know, sort of the other side of that is I had to learn as I go is kind of a crash course. Yeah. Um, but working with, uh, with different professionals in tech has, has been amazing. Um, everything from, you know, the way that, the way that engineering teams are structured and product teams are structured and, and how that can vary from organization to organization and even from project to project or type of, you know, type of work that they're doing is, has been really, really fascinating. It's been a ton of fun to learn just enough to be dangerous for sure. <laughs> yeah, so, for sure. Um, but, but it also, I, I've, and, and I'd love to hear your take on this. I've found that um, it's been wildly helpful in understanding what my role is within an organization is to really understand, um, you know, some of the complexities that your, your, your tech people, your product people, even, you know, even your marketing and, and sales folks, um, what some of those struggles are and, and how they can utilize the assistance of a compliance team, or they actually have to build within a, a regulatory framework or a legal framework that compliance can help construct for them. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, knowing more and more about the struggles of, of their day in and day out and what their responsibilities are, I've found has been really, really helpful in providing more actionable uh, guidance to those types of teams. But would love to, you know, hear your perspective on how, you know, on how getting to know those different disciplines has helped you uh, move your, your career in compliance forward. Yeah, I think when I think about how we're all working towards one big goal and sometimes a couple of big goals, it helps me see the importance of really understanding what the roadblocks are from the engineering team and the sales team. Yeah. Um, so I try to take compliance a step further from just telling them what we need to do and understanding what it means on the implementation side. So sometimes I'll say, can you whiteboard like what you're actually doing in the system? Right. So I get a high level understanding and I feel like that helps me um, show them that I care about the time that it's taking for them to implement things. And then that helps them not get so mad at me when I say, okay, we need to do this thing. We need to like make this system secure to comply with the regulations. And I know it's going to stop some of your priorities for a little while, but it just helps us have like a more fluid relationship. Yeah, absolutely. That makes a, that makes a ton of sense. Um, so you, your, your first compliance role was in a healthcare company and Plum is not in the healthcare space, right? Yeah. So how has, how has that change been for you going from what I can only assume, because I've never worked in, in the healthcare or biotech space. I, I can only assume that's a relatively rigid compliance framework. Is that fair to say? Yeah. And with Plum Voice, do you have a similarly rigid framework or not so much? How, how, how are those how are those two sort of industries different and how does that make your approach to your job change? I think it's um, a little bit less rigid in that there were more standards and laws and regulations that I had to know and kind of move around. Um, it made it really hard to transition from healthcare where I really focused just on HIPAA yep. to um, 
a tech space where I had to know about PCI, payment card industry, yeah. and SOC 2, ISO 27001, now GDPR. I was like, oh my gosh, I have to learn all of these <laughs> regulations, learn how to communicate them to the engineers, learn how to implement all of these things. So there was a huge learning curve. Right. Um, and I think I spent a lot of time after work just trying to grasp these laws and regulations. Mm -hmm. So it was it was quite hard to transition. I would imagine so. So did you have a decent amount of outside counsel you could rely on? Did you do a lot of your own research, a little bit of both? How did you how did you really work toward becoming proficient and, and developing that expertise and and all these various certifications? When I started out, it was a lot of work on my own. I read a lot of blogs. Yeah. I listened to podcasts. Um, I joined a book club nice. <laughs> for compliance. Yes, it was a lot of just me trying to figure things out on Google and with whatever resources I could find. Um, eventually, my boss was more open to sending me out on trainings. Okay. So I was able to learn from other people, but definitely leaned on myself a lot in the beginning. Yeah, and I, I would imagine there, particularly in Boston, there are probably some decent like like uh, community groups that, that you can get involved in, you know, mm -hmm. like, like people in tech compliance that, you know, meet on a regular basis can be a resource. Yeah, for uh, sure. Um, so how big is your team now? So I actually looked at our org chart this morning because um, I had to give it to an auditor, but we are a team of 40 people. So okay. we're very small. Okay. Yeah, that's uh, the organization wide 40 people. Yeah. Okay, yeah, that's very, very small. Yeah. And then it's you and, and you have an associate as well. Yes. You, right. Mm -hmm. um, when did you when did you free up the budget to bring out an associate and, and walk me through a little bit of uh, how you approach that conversation with your with your supervisor and oh. uh, and allow you to get that resource? Well, so I hired him in 2019. So I was working for the company for two years by myself before he joined. Mm -hmm. And it was kind of a tough pitch um, yeah. to, I think I had to pitch to the CEO at the time. Yeah. And, um, you know, he was like, do you actually need somebody? Right. <laughs> but yeah, I, I mentioned that it was a lot of work. At the time, he also asked me to start taking on some of the contract work as well. Okay. So splitting my time between compliance and contracts were very difficult for me. Mm -hmm. um, so when I when I mentioned that it would be really helpful to just have someone really focus on a lot of the compliance stuff to free up some of the time to work on contracts, right. he was OK with that. Yeah, absolutely. So what um, that's that's really interesting, because now you're sitting in this in this intersection of, you know, more of the legal side of the world, working on contracts and interacting with the business in that way. And then you still have these compliance responsibilities. Um, you know, how how have you found that to be? And um, how, how, if at all, are you dividing your thinking and your time yeah. between, uh, between those sort of distinct but related disciplines? I found it both difficult and exciting. In a way, the contract space feels more comfortable because I did have a little bit of practice in law school. Yeah. Um, I feel like with the compliance space, everything was new. Mm -hmm. um, but at the same time, it's challenging because I think that while we learned a lot of theory in law school, we didn't know how to practically apply that. Sure. Especially if you didn't work at a, in a law firm setting before in-house. It's so tough. Right. So I find myself Googling things yeah. all the time and just <laughs> trying to rely on what I could find um, to get through that portion. But I think especially with my associate, it's been a lot easier to manage both yeah. um, tasks. Um, 
but with dividing my time, I mean, I do a lot of like time blocking in my day where sure. I'll dedicate one uh, the afternoon to contract work and the morning to compliance so that the constraints really help me okay. with balancing my, my work. That makes a lot of sense. And as far I know you've got a smaller organization there and a lot of, I imagine everybody is doing a little bit of everything. Yeah. Right? Uh, which is just a super fun time to be at a tech company. I, I, I love that. I like those early stages, just a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as the stakeholders that you're dealing with on a reg- on like a day in a day out basis, um, when you're dealing with contracts, are they the same stakeholders that you're working with when you're trying to implement compliance protocols? Um, or are they completely different sets of people? Maybe some overlap. Yeah, they're, they're different people. There's a little bit of overlap. Um, with contracts, I mostly work with account management and sales mm-hmm. when I'm working on um, contract review and negotiations for potential partnerships. Yep. But I do also work with engineering, and that's where the crossover is because with engineering, I'm helping them implement compliance, but I'm also working with them um, to help them navigate new features that they might want to add to our software or if they want to add a new system to our infrastructure and somehow data is involved, mm-hmm. then they have to talk to me to research, you know, what kind of data is involved? Does it rise to the level of sensitive data? And then if so, what do we need to do to secure your system? So that's that's where the overlap is with them. Right. And, and so do you find that you need to interact with the teams in a pretty different way? Like just in terms of approach, um, or or is it, you know, is it pretty seamless for you? I think it's pretty seamless. I think underneath all the different problems, everyone just has something that they want to solve, yeah. and I just give them, you know, the the legal or compliance lens. But I think even though they're all different problems, the way I approach it, it's the same. Yeah, makes makes a lot of sense. So when you you started out doing compliance work and working sort of with that team when you were asked to start doing more of the contract work. Um, how did how did you go about forming the relationships with those those business partners on the account management team on the sales team and and how did you sort of learn how to how to actually determine what's important and, and what's you know what's market. It's a learning process. Yeah. Um, I had already uh, had a relationship with people on account management and sales because uh, with our customers, sometimes they'll send us customer um, compliance surveys. So I worked with them on a compliance uh, stance. Okay. So working with them on contracts isn't a completely new thing for me. I guess it's new content, but since the relationship was there, it's just a new question to kind of navigate. So it, it wasn't too tough to, to work with them on contracts. Right. I've, I've found that um, uh, most of like, I, my, my very first job out of law school was the f- company's first in-house counsel at this, this gaming company uh, based up in Cambridge and, um, and had no real experience, you know, reviewing contracts at all. And I tried to try to do a lot of the reading like PLI stuff and mm. all of that I read as much as I could. And uh, but I've found that just sitting down and talking with talking with the business, the business folks, like what's really important, like what do these people, what do you expect this vendor to do for you? And then just write it down, like 
pretty in yeah. a pretty straightforward way. It's like, all right, the company wants the vendor to deliver these five things. Vendor must deliver <laughs> one, two, three, four, and five, right? Just list them out um, and, and kind of, you know, go from there. But I, I ended up learning a lot about a lot about how the business can can teach you what's important in a contract and what's not. And that's something that I've carried with me throughout my entire career. And, and I found that building those relationships has just been absolutely essential to, to my success as a lawyer, mm. almost even more so than my than my legal ability. Which is which has been an interesting realization. Yeah, what, was that intimidating for you at first? It it was um, it was, but I, I had a lot of I had a lot of support. So I was brought in I was brought into the role because the company was trying to sell itself to um, you know well the parent company was trying to sell this division to another to another company in in the gaming space and. Um, I was brought in to do, you know, to help with due diligence and mm. that sort of thing. And so like during that, during that process, I was working closely with our outside attorneys who were representing us in the deal, which was fine. But then that deal kind of stalled and there was nothing to do. But my boss, who was the COO at the time said, why don't you go and talk to the chief marketing officer? He's doing different types of contracts. Mm -hmm. Go see if he's got any, anything for you to, to take a look at. And a lot of what was going on was uh, different types of marketing and branding deals mm -hmm. that were um, that were for events, distribution, advertisement outside of the United States. Mm -hmm. Most of it was um, most of it was across Europe. And so before me joining the company, it was literally just, you know, Bill being like, yeah, this looks good. Oh my and signing it, right? <laughs> and I mean, Europe is a much less litigious society than than what we deal with here in the United States, right? Mm -hmm. So so they're like, yeah, well, whatever, sign it and we'll just manage the relationship and hopefully we don't have to sue anybody over any contracts, right? And, yeah. And even if we do, it's a different process and, you know, whatever. So, um, so having me come in and fumble around with it really like, it was like, well, it's not gonna make it any worse, <laughs> arguably. Right. Yeah. And so, um, so I, I kind of was working within that to a certain mm. extent. Mm -hmm. And, um, but then, you know, over, over time, I think what, what that did for me was actually provide a lot of confidence is at the end of the day, mm. like there, there are a lot of people that will go through a law firm environment doing commercial transactions, doing brand licensing deals, and they get used to seeing like what is boilerplate. Yeah. And uh, they get used to seeing like, oh, like this is market and indemnification clauses should be written like this and limitations of liability and categorical exclusions of damages should be written in this way or that way. And they don't always internalize exactly why. But when you're going through and you don't have like sort of the strength of a law firm or a partner saying, well, that's what it should be. It should be that way because of whatever, either because that's how we've always done it. That's market or yeah, because we just we don't want those damages there. But to to actually have to go through and say, all right, every word is here for a reason. And I need to figure out what that reason is. And you're 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 reading sort of the academic, you know, academic 
papers behind it, mm-hmm. right? Um, and to to a certain extent, reading some case law around like, you know, why you know why do you have different types of disclaimers and different types of agreements that may or may not be enforceable and mm-hmm. so on and so forth, and um, and so like actually doing that work yourself. I, and much like what you've done with compliance, I did after hours, mm. um, you know, it, it, to try to learn like, okay, what's the best way to, you know, think about this provision, that provision. And um, it, it just, when you do the work yourself, it brings confidence and it brings a, a depth of understanding. I think that sometimes can, can be glossed over given the high volume of work and the high pressure that a lot of law firms can bring on associates. It makes so much sense. So, yeah. Um, but I mean, there are a lot of times where it was not as fun, mm-hmm. but <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, it's, uh, you know, it, I, I think learning, learning by doing like that and having the opportunity to fail as mm. well is, is an interesting one. If, yeah. you know, I, I remember the first contract that I wrote that I litigated and that was a learning experience, right? I, thankfully I wasn't the one in court litigating, but had to hire lawyers to litigate a contract that I. <laughs> yeah, that sounds scary. <laughs> yeah, it's something else. It was, it was a fine outcome, but you know, uh, you learn a lot mm-hmm. for sure. Um, so, from a from a career trajectory perspective, like you're sitting now at this sort of the head of this both legal function and compliance function. How, you know, how are you thinking about where you want to drive your career and where you want to move yeah. your focus? Like, obviously you have, you have a drive and a passion for the compliance side, right? Yeah. Um, but doing, you know, doing more of the contract review stuff now, sort of more of the, that side of the legal world, is that something that's interesting for you to to move into and then obviously just sort of keeping your arm around compliance or or is it the other way around right is it mm-hmm. uh, let someone else deal with that and give me this compliance piece yeah to be honest i am really interested in that um in that world of contracts and a more legally like a traditional legal role mm-hmm. um but i think i'm i'm honestly kind of scared of okay. jumping into something where it's just legal or it's just an in-house counsel role and there's no compliance because I wonder about my experience with it here at Plum. I don't know how it compares to any other place where someone is just focusing on um, contracts and other in-house counsel work. So it feels like it's going to be totally new territory if I decide to go down that way. Yeah. Um, But I'm definitely interested in it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, the good, I mean, so the, the good thing that I would say is you haven't learned any really bad habits from other, from other in-house legal operators yet that you'd have to break. Mm. Um, but you know, I, I will say that operating it as an in-house lawyer is, is very much experience, mm. right? And, and it's doing what you're doing right now. Right. And I, I think that you, you should absolutely be confident that, you know, certain things that have worked for you at, at Plum are going to work for you at other tech companies. Right. And, and on, on the, you know, on, on cockpit council, we talk a ton about building relationships, right? What is the first thing that you do when you go into an organization 
as the first in-house legal hire, even as the first compliance hire, you're going, you're building the right relationships mm -hmm. and you're trying to identify, all right, what are, what are the biggest areas of concern and how can I help support people who are focused on those areas of concern? Mm -hmm. And if there's no one focused on it, who should I get to be a partner and an ally so that we can go and try to shore things up? Mm -hmm. Right. Um, other than that, all, you know, I would say most all of the legal work you can figure out as you go along. Yeah. Right? And especially uh, if you're relying on outside counsel for stuff, any, almost any organization that you come into is going to have existing outside counsel that have done something mm -hmm. for the most part, right? Like at Plum, how, how do you interact with outside counsel? Yeah, I mean, it's changed over the years. Um, at first, for the first maybe four years that I was working there, the CEO was directly communicating to outside counsel and then contracts would get filtered down to me sometimes. Okay. Um, now, as of maybe two months ago, um, the CEO has asked outside counsel to directly communicate with me. Okay, that's so, great. Yeah, yeah. so that, that's a new thing that I'm navigating. That's that's excellent. And that's, I mean, that's a big part of practicing in-house. I mean, you know, I, from from my perspective, I think you I think you just embrace it and you say, yeah, like maybe it's a little bit intimidating, but you figure it out day in and day out. And, mm -hmm. and it's obvious that uh, it's obvious that what you've done so far has been successful and has allowed you to develop and grow. If not, then why would your CEO be giving you more responsibility? Yeah, true. So um, also, you have your own podcast. Let's talk. About <laughs> <that>. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let's. Uh, so. Um, yeah, tell us what do, what do you talk about and what's your vision for uh, and, and what's it called? Yeah, so my podcast is called Small Tech Big Compliance. Awesome. Yeah, and there um, I have a co-host, uh, my friend. He's a network engineer. Okay. And we talk about small companies and their challenges when trying to meet their compliance and cybersecurity goals. Yeah. Um, so some of the things that we've talked about and we want to talk about is how companies can start um, working towards certain compliance certificates and then also how to actually implement secure software. Okay. And then we hope to talk to people from software companies that sell software solutions that can help automate a lot of the manual compliance processes as well. Yeah. Nice, very cool. Yeah. And um, how, uh, you're, you're relatively early on, you've had what, just a couple of episodes so far? Yeah, just two. That's good, that's awesome. What? How are you coming up with different ideas and um, you know, is it just, uh, more ad hoc, like, oh, uh, you wouldn't believe what happened to me at work today. Let's go talk about it. <laughs> or, or is it, which, which honestly, it's a lot of fun to listen to. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's how it started. Yeah. But um, I, I basically write down everything that comes up when we talk for fun. Okay. Um, but now I definitely dedicate um, some time every week to just sit and write down some ideas that we could potentially talk about. So it's a little bit structured. Nice. Very cool. Very cool. Um, so as far as and switching gears a little bit, as far as any advice that you have for um, maybe people just coming coming out of law school or in their first couple of years out of school who may want to get into compliance, what are some words of wisdom that you can that you can give to those people who are looking to pursue a career? I think that it, it's definitely beneficial to hear about the stories of other people that have actually taken that path. So you can get a glimpse of what it might be like if you decide to take on a compliance role. Okay. Um, I think if you're starting out, 
definitely takes some time, unfortunately, sometimes nights and weekends to wrap your head around the regulations and see what's applicable to your company, um, see what certifications they might not already have that might be beneficial in the future. Mm -hmm. And then I think it's also really helpful to take time to talk to people outside of the compliance team to learn about um, ways that compliance could benefit them. Um, see what roadblocks they might face in their day-to-day so that if you need to work with them, you can be thoughtful about how you share, you know, bad compliance news or right, right. things like that. Yeah. That's, that's great advice. That's awesome. And I got Alyssa waving at, waving at us here. Uh, we've got some questions from the audience. Yes. Um, so the first one is actually on the same topic. What is your advice for legal professionals navigating compliance certifications for the first time at a new company? Yeah. So again, um, try to learn (laughs) about the regulation that you're trying to get the certificate in. Um, And I think also try to learn about the people that might be involved in external audits. So, for example, um, I learned that when the auditors would come on site, they would sometimes have to interview engineers. And the engineers would come up to me at the end of the day and say, oh, my God, Daniel, that was the worst thing ever. (laughs) I hate talking to these outside people coming in and asking me about my processes. And so I really thought about that. And the next year, I created this mock audit situation where I would write down any potential questions that I thought an auditor might ask. And I just acted like the auditor. And I helped them prepare for these questions so that it didn't feel like a surprise when they were coming on site. That's that's an excellent, excellent way to go about it. It's like doing a uh, deposition prep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> awesome. Um, another one. How do you recommend that legal teams stay up to date on regulation changes to stay compliant? Do you have any favorite resources? Yeah, I think, um, you know, how you get emails about webinars. Yeah. I actually always try to put them in my calendar if I don't have a conflicting meeting. Okay. So I think they're really useful for getting information. Sometimes I'll listen to them in the background just to get some some nuggets. Right. Um, aside from that, I also listen to a lot of podcasts. Um, and then that book club that I mentioned, there's a compliance book club called Seven Elements Book Club. Okay. And I think when you talk to people in the space, sometimes new regulations come up all the time. So that's a really good way to keep informed as well. Great. Um, And then one more. What are the biggest things on your mind in 2023? What's at the top of your priority list? Um, The top of my list right now is wrapping my head around GDPR. I know that it's it's not new, but I I have a bigger role in understanding it and implementing it now at my company. So that's that's huge on my list. And then the other thing is just enhancing preparedness. Um, I really want to double down on disaster recovery and security threats with our engineers. So those are the the two biggest things. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining today. This has been awesome. It's been a great conversation. Really appreciate it. And um, yeah, definitely would love to have you back on. And uh, let's let's make let's make it a point to have these conversations be a little bit more regular. Thank you so much. Thanks. And uh, if you enjoyed today's content, please feel free to, uh, to like us, follow us on the socials, and we will see you next time. Thanks, everyone.